This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Heartland Daily Podcast. I'm Lenny Jarrett, Director of the Education Center at the Heartland Institute and host of today's edition of the podcast. Today's guest is Congressman Jim Banks, who represents Indiana's 3rd District. Representative Banks was also a member of the Indiana State Senate from 2010 to 2016. Representative Banks has been a champion for education choice in Congress. He's introduced bills to provide education savings account for the children of military personnel and most recently filed a bill to provide a child safety account to students in Washington, D.C. And we've seen around there's just so much waste and poor information that gets distributed to students and stuff about the markets they have and stuff. And that's why school choice, education choice is so great. And I'm so glad we have the opportunity to speak with you today, Congressman Banks. Thank you for being able to come on. Hey, Lenny, it's great to be with you. So let's kind of talk a little bit about why do you feel there's actually a need for child safety accounts and protecting well, students? Well, let me safety. back up before that and say I, I served in the Indiana State House, as you said already, for six years between 2010 and until the session in 2016 at, point, at the point at which I was elected to Congress. So during that period of time in Indiana, we passed a, a significant number of education reform and school choice measures that have positively impacted educational choice uh, for uh, students all over, the, all over my home state in Indiana. So I've seen firsthand how, how important school choice um, is and uh, how important it is to give choices to, to uh, who's your family. So um, that, that being said, I'm also a father of three daughters who are uh, age 10, 8, and 6. So all of these educational issues are uh, very important to me. And as, as we've gone through a season of a number of violent um, um, uh, uh, acts that have happened in schools, whether school shootings. Um, I regularly hear from constituents who have concerns about bullying in school uh, in the big cities. We have you know, issues with gang activities in schools. Um, I, I, I want to do my part uh, to be the type of, of legislator, even at the federal level. We all agree that education, most of us agree that education is a, is a state issue. But I serve on the Education Committee in Congress. Even at the federal level, I want to be a part of, uh, of uh, the, the, the legislators and members of Congress who are exploring these issues and talking about what we can do that will positively um, uh, affect uh, uh, creating safer uh, environments for our students in, our, in all of our schools at the local level. So that's what, that's what led us to this initiative in addressing school safety issues to craft uh, this piece of legislation that we create uh, child safety accounts for Washington, D.C. students. But we've tackled it from that perspective that Congress has authority over Washington, D.C., but we might be creating a we might be creating a model here that the states can adopt as well. So that that's why I'm I'm uh, I'm so fired up about this proposal and working so hard to uh, try to win support in the Congress, because I think it could have a national impact as well. 
Yeah, actually, to follow up with that, uh, I've actually had some requests from some other states. They wanted to know what your bill number was so they could actually look at the language and look about adopting it, adapting it for the laws in their state as well already. So it is already having an impact. Other states are looking at what's happening there. Uh, that, that's right. We've we've uh, we've heard from state uh, legislators throughout the country as well, Lenny, who've had the same thought that uh, th- this uh, we've we've created a model here, even though it hasn't passed in the Congress, applying it to Washington D.C. But it could be a, a, a model for uh, forward-thinking states who adopt um, who, who are adopting educational reform and choice um, efforts. This, this is something that they're looking to. Right. And before we continue on with child safety accounts, I do want to thank you for the for p- helping pass laws in Indiana. Uh, Indiana has the best, the largest voucher system in the entire country. So they're a model as well for voucher systems and other models of school choice. But they are known for their voucher system in Indiana, which is a really great thing and helping lots of students. So, Yeah, I've, I've been through these battles. I mean, I'll never forget the, how contentious these issues were at the at the state legislative level. So, so Lenny, you wouldn't, uh, you, you know, you you wouldn't be uh, after you've gone through that, some of those fights and passing uh, land, landmark legislation like what we did for school vouchers in Indiana. I'm not at all surprised at the type of, of uh, backlash that we received on even on CSAs for Washington D.C. from the educational education establishment that doesn't want to doesn't want any reform that might disrupt uh, their status quo. So we we've. We've felt a little bit of that, even on this uh, CSA bill for Washington. We've had we've had backlash from teachers unions and other educrats who don't want to see these types of reforms uh, of their system. Yeah, and actually, I remember seeing a tweet by one of your one of your fellow congressmen actually giving you some backlash for actually wanting to protect students. So let's talk yeah, what uh, what type right. of items do does it, what a CSA cover? How, how do they actually protect children? What kind of what kind of incidents actually are covered by it? Yeah, well, we, the way that we wrote the legislation is that if if um, uh, if, a, if a school is deemed uh, unsafe, uh, let's say that um, a, a, a school safety issue occurs in a Washington D.C. school, that that might be that might include a, a school shooting, it might might include a bullying, it might might include sexual harassment or abuse issues, fights, gang activities drug use, even food safety issues, other acts of violence, you know, really from a broad perspective, if, if a school is deemed unsafe, then the students enrolled in that school become eligible for a child safety account. Got it. So, so that kind of bullying, sexual harassment, like you said, school shootings, anything, all this kind of stuff that will kind of kind of roll into that as you as you go through it, and we all know that bullying has increased now to about twenty percent of students are bullied at some point. One hundred and sixty thousand kids every day skip school to avoid being victims of of bullying and violence. And I don't know if you'd heard there was a recent story that just came out about a thirteen year old that had gotten um, sucker punched. And the way they did it, he ended up dying about a week later. And so these are some of the things we're talking about where we have to we have to protect our students. And this is just one of those avenues. That's exactly right. I, mean, I hear from, from parents um, all the time uh, in my district constituents in northeast Indiana who are, who are begging us, leaders at all levels. They, they might not understand the, the, um, 
you know, issue the, the uh, issues of federalism, state versus federal issues. They don't really want to. They don't want to get into an argument about that. They just want their leaders at the local level, the state level, the federal level, to address these issues, whether it's to prevent school shootings from occurring or to address their child being bullying, being bullied uh, in their schools. So that, that that's really what motivated me to uh, to adopt this issue as a cause, uh, because so many parents are begging for for solutions, and we we think the child safety account is a solution, while while the legislation again is only only targeted at Washington, D.C., that, because that's what Congress has authority over, um, even though there are some, many of my Democrat colleagues in the Education Committee that want a full federal takeover of education policies <laughs> yeah. at the state and, and local level. Um, as a conservative, I, I don't believe, believe in that route, but I do believe that with the constitutional authority we have over Washington, D.C., we can create a model um, in a city that's not, that, that you know, does have, have violence, issues of violence in a city that um, where the some of the, some of the schools aren't safe we could create a model here that the rest of the country can adopt states like indiana um or or states um uh, throughout the country can adopt that that's why you know interestingly i, I have a, i have a couple of co-sponsors i want to mention doug lamalfa who's a representative from california and ted yoho who's a, who's a representative from florida i mean so they they both agree that this is a um, while it's targeted at Washington, D.C., it could be a roadmap for their states, too. Yeah, it absolutely could. And I know looking back at the voucher program there in D.C., hearing from some parents in the past and stuff where the parents actually cared about the safety and their main goal was in choosing another school was, is their child going to come home safely at the end of the school day? And there are lots of parents that are just worried about that more so sometimes than they're worried about the education because they want their child to be alive. No, no doubt about it. So with, these, with the CSA, it's kind of like an education savings account. I know what actually, how would a parent utilize it? What, what, th- what things would it cover? Do they have to choose another school or what could they do? What are some of the options with it? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. You know, first of all, I want to make sure that, that uh, we're clear from the outset that uh, we're not talking about any additional federal dollars to go to create the child the child safety account. So this would be funded by the D.C. government through their existing educational funding, and it would be it would be mean, by the way it would be means tested uh, in the way that we wrote the legislation. So families who are below the 185 percent poverty rate would be eligible for a 90 percent average uh, DC per pupil spending CSA families between uh, 185% to 300% um, of, uh, of, of the poverty level be eligible for 85% and families above 300% poverty would receive an 80% level CSA. And what could they, what could they do with those dollars? Well, those dollars could be spent um, on for, for private uh, tuition at a, at a, um, Maybe perhaps at a private school is a better option or a more, more safe option for these students. This, this, these dollars can be used for textbooks, for online courses. Um, there, really, there's a, there's a, there would be a, uh, some, some restrictions, but the, but the families could dis- determine the best way to educate their child in the safest environment by using the CSA dollars and, and having more choice than what they would have had before. Certainly for those families who are in poverty, they can't afford it. You know, they're, they're limited to one single choice, the public school option, 
which as we've already discussed sometimes is far too often of a, an unsafe environment for their child, the CSA would give them a, a pool of dollars and resources to be able to choose a better, safer option for their child. Right. And you get into this, and we talk about this a lot. One of the complaints I hear or criticisms of education savings account and education choice in general is that how are poor parents going to be able to do this or they're disinterested in their child's education? You've kind of seen this firsthand, how the program worked in in Indiana already and how it's kind of working in D.C. already. Can you talk a little bit about the parents and those in poverty that actually do take advantage of the programs. Yeah, I mean, this, this gets back to one of the, the worst boogeyman arguments of, of the left and of the educrats, the teachers' unions, others who want to protect the status quo. Um, you know, we're talking about families. Um, again, by means testing the CSA, these are families uh, all, too, all too often trapped in poverty and trapped in a single school system that they would never have otherwise have a choice to send their child somewhere else into a, a safer, uh, better option. And uh, in, in this case, you know, it's, it's those families who do care, those, those families who are passionate about their, their child's safety and their child's education who will be able to make this choice that otherwise they would never be able to make. Right. And I actually have heard stories. I know the, uh, when the Obamas were there, they're, they're both their kids went to Sidwell Friends and some of the voucher kids actually had the opportunity to go to Sidwell Friends, and that's something they would never have been able to afford without the voucher program in D.C. It's the same in, all throughout the state of Indiana. I mean, yeah. I, you know, the, the, now that uh, you know, I think we passed the school voucher bill in Indiana in 2012 or 2013, you know, now, you know, the neat part about that um, for me is that now, uh, Lenny, I hear from Families, I hear from kids who, who uh, have grown up with that voucher and graduated in a situation and then come to me and tell me how much of a difference that's made in their life, giving them a leg up uh, to get them uh, off on a better path than maybe what they wouldn't have had otherwise. So that puts a human face on this when you hear those stories. And that, that's what that's what's convinced me the school choice is, is, is the right path forward. And applying applying school choice to addressing school safety issues like bullying or school violence, uh, really, it's a it's a novel approach, but it's really a common sense approach as well. Right, and that's yeah, that happens all over. There's actually several studies now. People are starting to study that more about how the education choice movement, how being able to choose a school, is starting to reduce violence in schools. A study in Milwaukee actually showed. It reduces teen pregnancy as well. So there's other benefits than just the education. Yeah, not, not, yeah that, that's exactly right. Not, not to mention, you know, as a societal issue, I mean, this, this, um, this is going to raise, raise people out of uh, being trapped in poverty, right? giving people better options and choices that are going to send them off on a better path in life. And how, how could anybody be against that? I mean, how could anybody yeah. be against trapping um, trapping uh, uh, kids in the within the status quo and in the, in the cycle of poverty that they that they've been trapped in before. So again, I've, I've heard those stories from a personal level, and and um, you know back back in my district of Fort Wayne, Indiana, with with uh, kids who have come out of poverty, gone to a better school, um, and, and that's set them off on a better path in life, and and 
that's always very, very emotional for me to hear those stories because of the political backlash that you have to go through to pass something as important as this. Well, it's all worth it when you hear the stories of those who have been impacted. Oh, absolutely. Actually, that might be something we should probably think about doing sometime. Is some of your constituents that have gone through these voucher programs, maybe we should actually do kind of a podcast of some of these parents and students and actually let them let them share their stories so more people can understand what the yeah, the personal the face of what school choice actually does and how it works for these families. That's a great idea. These are families that love to tell that story because they've they've seen it. They're passionate about it. That, that's why in Indiana, nobody's ever lost an election in Indiana because they supported school choice. I mean, the backlash the backlash is, is significant. Um, the, from the teachers' unions to um, the, those who uh, protect the status quo, they. They, they get heavily involved and spend a lot of money in elections, but, they, but there's not a – I can't find a single um, a politician in Indiana who's lost their election because they stood up for school choice. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's actually a very popular notion. It really is. Actually, sir, most surveys show anywhere like 70 to 76 percent, depending on the state, of people support some type of school choice program. But you wouldn't know that in the halls of the legislatures and in the halls of Congress – from the lobbyists and these teachers unions and those with a vested interest to actually prevent it. So, yeah, you, you've seen that firsthand, but most people don't understand. There is – the general public is different than the paid lobbyist. <laughs> well said. Well, well said. <laughs> so – what I want to, I would like my, our listeners too to be able to contact you if they have a story. How can they contact you and talk to you about different things, or just you know, not, even if they're not from your district, but just want to be able to share share with you and help kind of encourage you as you are in this fight. Yeah, you know we we've never been as easy as we are today to get a hold of with with social media. I mean, we it'd be great to hear from your listeners. Um, on Twitter at Rep Jim Banks, uh, on Facebook at Congressman Jim Banks, we're we're easy to contact, we're easy to get a hold of, but we want to engage with you in these in these uh, very important political fights. So we we appreciate your listeners reaching out to us and sharing their perspective, their story, and getting involved. I mean, one one important way that you can get involved is to contact your member of Congress and ask them to take a look at this piece of legislation, HR twenty five thirty eight. We've, we introduced it a few months ago. Again, I, I'm very proud that both Ted Yoho from Florida, Doug LaMalfa from California, have both uh, signed on as co-sponsors. I think we can get a lot more co-sponsors if your listeners reach out to their congressman or congresswoman and ask them to take a look at our bill. Yeah, especially sharing their personal stories and stuff should really, really be the kicker that gets them to actually want to do this for more, more and more students across the country. So is there that, anything exactly else? Right. We, we appreciate that. Yeah. Is there anything else we haven't covered today that you'd like to like to discuss? Well, you know, you, you talked a little bit ago about a, a colleague uh, tweeting at us. That, that colleague I think that you're talking about is is uh, is the, uh, the the district uh, of Columbia's delegate and um, Holmes. Right. Eleanor. Yes. Eleanor Holmes Norton. Right. Um, I'm, I'm convinced um that she doesn't run her own Twitter account, but that's just a theory of mine. So her staff, her staff probably tweeted on her behalf. But it is uh, it is interesting to see that that type of backlash come from someone who clearly doesn't understand that 
Congress has the constitutional role to govern the, the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C. So there, there is a nexus here for us to be involved. And I always want to make sure when I talk about this legislation that, as I've said a little bit already, but to be, to be very clear, you know, there, there is nothing in the federal constitution that talks about, in our U.S. constitution that talks about education. That's because it's a role delegated uh, to the states. In the state of Indiana, our state constitution devotes several uh, sections and notes on education. That's because it's a role of the state. But when it comes to child safety accounts, this is a novel approach that if we can show that it works in Washington, D.C., I think it's going to be a guiding light for the rest of the nation, for other, for the states, the 50 states to adopt as well, because it, what we know that it will be effective and lead to safer environments in schools by using this approach. So I, I very much appreciate the Heartland Institute. When I was a state senator, I, I got to know Heartland Institute, worked with you closely. Uh, you are uh, Heartland Institute is a great resource for state legislators around the country, and uh, re- really enjoy and appreciate partnering with you on this sh- this initiative too. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I think, yeah, L- uh, Congressman Holmes Norton. Yeah, we should probably get take some of those parents and some of those students in the DC Voucher Program to contact her about this. It would be kind of a fun effort to put together. So, yeah, just to reiterate a little bit, you, I know you kind of brought this up, that Congress's role in this is to have a role in the District of Columbia schools. You also have a role in the Bureau of Indian Education and also with military students. And I know you've also put out an education savings bill for the, kid, the children of those that are serving in the military as well, which kind of goes kind of hand in hand. But that's, those are roles that Congress has and plays but the rest is up to the states, and they need to kind of follow your lead. Or actually, Washington D.C. should be following the lead of Indiana and people like, and congressmen like you as well to have kind of spread this around the country. Yeah, I, uh, I appreciate that. Next time we talk, maybe we can talk about our some of our other school choice initiatives, like HR sixteen hundred five, our our effort to create military education savings accounts for military families, the child safety account legislation, HR twenty five. 38. These are really only a couple of a few true uh, school choice efforts uh, in this Congress, and um, these are important initiatives, and and we appreciate the attention that you're drawing to them. Oh, thank you. Yes, we will have to we will have to get back together and talk about all the other school choice initiatives that are happening there in Congress. That will be great. All right. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Representative Banks, for being able to be on on today with me, and I also want to thank. Thank you on the behalf of the Hardin Institute listeners. And listeners, if you're joining us today for the first time, make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can get it every day. Also, visit heartland.org. Look at our policy bot, which is your one-stop shop for free market policies and to solving public and policy, other policy solutions. And thanks again for joining us today and hope you all have a great day. Want to help the Heartland Institute fight socialism? Then attend our 35th anniversary benefit dinner on October 4th at the Cotillion in Palatine, Illinois. Glenn Beck, the host of the Glenn Beck Radio Program and the founder of Blaze TV, is headlining our event, which carries the theme, Stopping Socialism. Beck is also receiving this year's Heartland Liberty Prize for his lifetime of work fighting for freedom and opposing the radical left. Go to heartland.org and reserve your table or tickets today to see Glenn Beck on October 4th. See you there.